So, so, so when I, I'm thinking hustle, it's like... So if I had to word association, activist hustle. I think activism is just taking a stand. People um, of color, minorities, existing as themselves fully and embracing the hell you out don't, of You hustle to get something that like is not I'm on the road. And not only that, everyone's struggling. Helpful to me is getting shit done. Always a light at the end of the tunnel. I would just say, action every day. Hi, Rachel. Hey, Lena. How's it going? I am so glad that season two has been going so great, and I am so excited about this episode. Do you want to tell us a little bit about who our guests are? Yeah, of course. So our guests were actually recommended to us by one of the season one guests, and that's what we love of our our wonderful network and connecting us with awesome people like Ileana and Moo from We Ceremony. And their organization is, is super interesting. Basically, We Ceremony, they will explain to you a lot about what they stand for throughout the interview, but just to talk a little bit about what they are is a digital platform that uses storytelling to empower and celebrate women of color, primarily using personal narratives. So that is kind of sounding abstract, but they'll get into a lot of what they do and how they're trying to do events in the community and basically just create space for women of color to share their stories. Awesome. I'm so excited. This sounds like a topic that we're going to that will really resonate with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm excited to jump into it. Should we just go for it? Yeah, definitely. Yay! Well, I'm so excited to have you both here. Um, welcome to the Activist Hustle. Why don't we start a little bit with just tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you two got connected. Um, so I'm Mu. I'm one of the, I'm the co-founder of The Ceremony. My name is Ileana, the other co-founder of Blue Ceremony. And um, how we met, so it's actually, I think, a pretty sweet story. Ileana and I are actually childhood friends. We went to third grade together. Um, and so I think that's, that was our first point of contact. But we lost touch. She left me and went to a different school. <laughs> for elementary school. Fifth grade. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... Throughout for middle school, high school, college, we both went to different schools. Mm. And it wasn't until we were both back in Boston after graduating from undergrad that we found ourselves back in Boston together. And I think our meeting and the rekindling of our friendship was pretty organic. Um, She actually reached out to me through LinkedIn because she wanted to connect another friend um, to me about a previous job that I was at. And I just thought this was such a formal request that why don't I just like respond back and ask her for lunch and we can catch up. And, you know, I think just meeting up with her a few times after that, our friendship just quickly grew back again. Let's take a step back and Mm -hmm. just tell me a little bit more about each of you individually. Like what was your journey that brought you to the point of meeting each other and saying, Okay, this is what we're going through. This is what we we should tackle. Okay. Um, yeah, so I can, <laughs> I can share that first. So I'm uh, by training a community organizer on immigrant rights issues. 
um, in the greater Boston area. So since I was younger, I always knew that I wanted to do something in terms of like social worky, something like psychology based. My mom, she's a clinical based social worker. Um, but I didn't know that like organizing and like nonprofit management was a thing. Um, but you know after going through grad school and seeing your professors that are white and are teaching racial diversity you know racial diversity classes or they're teaching racial justice um, courses as well and just I think through that experiencing and also how traumatizing that was too of just like having to then be that example um, to others when you do case studies or when there's like an when there's some kind of like immigration issue in the world, Ileana, how do you feel about that? I'm just like, you know, I can't really. Begin you mean to- you can't speak for the whole population of the one identity that you identify with? Her? That, and I'm also not an immigrant, you know, so there's another set of like privileges with that. There's like, I've never had to think in my life or move even within the space that I occupy and say like, oh, I don't know how it feels like to not tell my boss like, hey, you haven't paid me this last month. And I don't know what retaliation looks like without having, you know, documentation or maybe having an overstayed visa. Um, So that was like my experience going in with it. Um, And I went to school in Nebraska and was born and raised here. And my last in Boston, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then um, my last year, just having an internship, doing research for like different meat packing plants in Nebraska. Um, most of the meat that we eat here in the U.S. comes from Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, but through the many stories, um, and through like organizing around workers' rights, and with OSHA, like safety right for workers too. Um, I think that's where it sprung up this this passion for like collective organizing and building grassroots power. Yeah. Um, not very similar to Ileana's experience, but I, I think my path was sort of like an up and down way of finding myself to where I am now. Um, to go all the way back, I my family and I immigrated to the U.S. from Taiwan in 1997, so when I was seven years old. And to be honest, I had never, I never really knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. My parents didn't go to college, um, and I think that's why they value education so much, which is why they made the decision to move to the U.S. so that we can explore our interests and receive a better education that they thought existed here. Um, and I just, I really looked up to my older sister, who is an artist by training, and although she didn't go to a traditional college went to art school um i somehow knew that i wanted to follow her footsteps and i went to school for art history at nyu and while i was there you know i was just like the school is really expensive so i have to make my time here worth it every semester i had an internship in a different art space so be a gallery an auction house a museum etc and I really enjoyed my time there, but it was challenging because New York is incredibly expensive. Art spaces are very white. And if there are a lot of Asian people there, it's often that they're international and they're coming from a very affluent background. And I just, I really couldn't relate. Then (laughs) I decided to transition to fashion, um, which, you know, isn't much better at all, but it was at that time a budding interest of mine. And I... My first job out of college was actually at Jimmy Choo as a buying assistant. And 
you know, coming, going to such an expensive school and working in an industry that values luxury, a very luxurious lifestyle, I just saw this dark difference between my life and what I was in the industries that I was in. And around that same time, I had a family emergency. And so I decided to move back home to Boston and to figure out what my next step should be. And so that's how I ended up back in Boston. But I think it was a lot of internal self-reflection that made me realize that I wanted to do something that was much more meaningful um, and that I wasn't getting that sort of support or that validation from my jobs. And I felt like if I can feel this strongly internally, knowing that something is wrong and that I can make it better, then I should try to pursue that, whatever that may look like. So now tell me how we ceremony is, you know, of the product of these two experiences coming together. Okay. Well, I think we should tell you the really funny story of how we actually agreed to do this together. Yeah. It's like a love story. Really. <laughs> <laughs> it was one cold winter day. Or like it, winter was just about ending and it was and approaching spring. When? This is in 2015. Okay, 2015. And... Um, we had gone on a walk along to Charles, very romantic, <laughs> and we were, again, just sharing with each other our experiences, like catching up, what happened that fall, that week, and, you know, what we're looking forward to, and just very naturally, we just said to each other, like, we should do something about this, and do we want to be on this journey with each other, um, and we both said yes, <laughs> and so I think it was, like, it was very exciting because for the entire, like, the rest of the walk, we were just talking about, like, different directions this could go in, like, what we wanted to do, and I thought, like, our relationship and our, that conversation was very telling of our strengths, because Ileana was bringing in so much, like, energy and um, passion for social justice work, and for me, I think I was able to think about it from a way, not necessarily scale, because I mean, we're still trying to figure out where we ceremony could go, but thinking about how we can grow this and sustain itself. So tell me a little bit about why the name or what the name we ceremony represents and why you chose it. Yeah. Um, so it's funny because we get asked this question all, <laughs> all the time. Um, but while we were like building our platform, right. And like thinking about like, what do we not want this to be or become, or who is this really for? And who is we ceremony uplifting and centering? Um, we spent like almost a all day, like a Sunday at the Boston public library, yeah. just like bouncing off names from each other and seeing like our friends that were on Facebook with the green light that they were on the message channel. Like, oh, what do you think about this one? Yeah. <laughs> but we came down to we ceremony because we feel like the we is very inclusive, right? Of many identities, um, even identities that we don't um, necessarily encompass and also ceremony because we wanted it to be a platform where we're celebrating our identities mm -hmm. and our experiences, our stories. Um, and not at all a platform that's like, you know, I want you to like feel bad for us because this is happening or mm -hmm. because I've experienced this because, um, you know, although things are the way that they are right now with our political climate, like we can't say that our parents had it easier, right? Or that mm -hmm. our ancestors did either. So that's how we came with that. Name. We ceremony is so like beautifully simple. <laughs> like it's like, Thank you. No, it really is like we. <laughs> All of us, not, not, no rocket science. Like you're yeah. not underlying. Like you're literally saying everyone and ceremony. It's like everyone needs to be celebrated, and it's yeah. so it's such a creative name. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So what projects is we ceremony working on right now, and um, what do you hope 
that people will take from it? For me, I think Ileana and I have been very intentional about building we ceremony and taking it in a direction that, you know, has integrity, is respecting boundaries, is respecting um, other identities that we come across. So we never want to enter in a space where we are encroaching on that community or saying we know best. But what we want to do with our collaborations when we work with other groups is to go in there as a support if they see fit. And so we, in addition to hosting our own events, we like to collaborate with others because a part of We Ceremony is recognizing those who came before us and those who are already doing the work. And um, and I think we also, we both know the privileges that we have within our own identity. So it's a matter of understanding how we can use that and share power, not take up space, um, and just uplift other people's platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with that, I think I would say too that for us, it's so important that it's that regular check-in with one another too, mm-hmm. right? Because these things don't happen overnight. They're really like, oh, I'm 100% woke. Yeah. I'm 100% <laughs> woke today, right? Even as being like light-skinned, you know, non-black women of color, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of privileges that come with that. And I really like when different folks in our community use like almost like a digestible person of color. What does that mean when we say that, right? And how do we enter spaces and we feel, you know, a white person may accept us more than if we go to another place or let's say if a black trans woman, right, going to a similar place. So I think with we ceremonies, just like the continual learning too, um, that's so important. Um, and like Moose said, making sure that you're centering other folks but not being like a spokesperson, right, mm-hmm. for someone else's story. I love the collaboration, learning, um, and support language because mm-hmm. I think that often in activism, which we've talked about some a little bit this season, is this like savior complex, right? Like coming in and trying to do good, but even in our own marginalization, we still have some privilege and we re-marginalize people by using certain language. And I love the like support and learning language. What are some challenges that have come about from your efforts of whether it be collaboration or hosting the events or, or any good learning moments that you've had that you're like, oh, I did not see that one coming. In terms of um, challenges, I would say right now is probably like the financial yep. um, portion <laughs> because we, we, did, we didn't begin um, this platform with like, oh, we're going to make this X amount of money or this is going to cost us this x dot 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 commas commas zeros Mm -hmm. after it um so i don't want to say it was an afterthought but because we had created this platform for ourselves first right like we weren't thinking with the intention like oh how much money are we going to make out of this but because we do spend a lot of time on it right it only makes sense that we are (laughs) gathering um money or funds from that as well so i would say that's one of our challenges of how do we keep this sustainable and not so much in terms of like balancing the work but I would say of you know costs like anything um I would have to agree with Ileana everything she said um (laughs) you know I think yeah it's money and because people don't tell you when you have a great idea you know like we have people in our communities like our family and friends who are so supportive of we ceremony but you know I, I think for a lot of people of color, there are systemic barriers that prevent us from accessing mm-hmm. resources. And so we really had to learn a lot of this on our own, um, you know, using our own money. Like we're mm-hmm. thankful that we both have full-time jobs that mm-hmm. can help we ceremony. But even that, it's like we had to do a lot of research to find how can we, you know, like from 
something as like common sense as like building a website and like mm-hmm. getting a domain that mm-hmm. costs money mm-hmm. even though it's like a small fee it adds up year mm-hmm. after year mm-hmm. and and also like filing taxes once we started mm-hmm. generating some yeah. income like how do we document that so we don't get in trouble and you know, so like all of that has been quite stressful because we tax season just ended, so we had to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think another challenge, and for me, it's a welcome challenge, is a lot of self reflection and learning and checking my own privilege. Um, you know, I think this is very much a learning journey for the both of us, mm-hmm. and I love that we are still learning as mm-hmm. we're growing We Ceremony because that demonstrates that we are also growing too. Um, And of course, you know, like when you are being confronted with new ideas, new perspective, like naturally it is going to be a little Mm -hmm. bit harder to come around or to digest um, and to let that simmer with you and see, you know what, like, and to admit that you're wrong. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes I can be very prideful, um, but working with such a close friend and doing something that we're so passionate about has taught me patience, humility, and what it really means to just sit and listen and learn. Same. I would say a challenge that we have been able to like overcome, at least I feel like that yeah. we <laughs> We're in therapy now. <laughs> is that um, valuing our work? You know, what does that mean? Yes. I think especially as like young people, right? A lot of folks say like, oh, but we're going to promote your stuff. Like we don't have money to like pay you Mm -hmm. to do a whole program or an event, but we'll put you on our social media. (laughs) So we're like, well, we can do that. You know, like we have a following, (laughs) we have a newsletter, um, but like making sure that we're also advocating for ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that we've learned to just like collaborating with institutions, right, in the local area. They have tons of tons of money. What do you mean that you can't like give a stipend, like even Mm -hmm. a transportation stipend, Mm -hmm. you know, that's like me. And I think we've gotten really good at learning to like budge and pressure and like hold other people accountable too. like if you're wanting this, then you need to prove it with like money. Yeah. Wow, that was such, it was so interesting hearing two guests instead of one. Mm -hmm. Um, That was really interesting. But tell us, I guess the one thing I'm having a really hard time is understanding what exactly is We Ceremony, Rachel? So I hope that I do this justice for Ileana and Moo, who worked so hard on this project. But Essentially, if you follow them on Instagram, you'll see that they directly share stories from women of color as their personal narratives, like storytelling from women of color themselves. And that's a way that they, kind of similar to how Sophia talked about two woke queen MDs, using social media as a platform to share stories. But then also they do events and partner with other local organizations where people are able to get together and tell their stories in person. That does answer it. I guess you could say that they are highlighting people's stories by them, for them, through this like visually appealing platform, which is Instagram. And it's just so full of color and so lively and I encourage everybody um, to go and look at it. Yeah, they have a beautiful Instagram page, a beautiful website, and they're very open to collaboration. So I think that's what also makes their 
their project a little bit difficult to explain because they're so open to working with people that the as long as they're working toward their mission, what they're actually doing in real life can look a lot of different ways. So yeah, it's I love the fact that it's visually appealing. I love that they're using Instagram as a platform. Uh, let's just jump back into the interview and learn more. Um, I want to go back and touch on two points that both of you just made. Um, so I'm just going to put them both on the table and then mm-hmm. we can tackle them as we want. How, do, how does a person listening move forward with the idea just alone and, and sticking with and knowing that we already lack resources and that, you know, you're going to go through these struggles? And two, if they have somebody, how do they do it with that person as well? Mm-hmm. I would say something that works really well for us is that we check in with each other regularly. Right. And although we are really close friends, I mean, just like in any kind of like group project, right, or with coworkers, you have different work styles, right? Like I am somebody that you, not only with We Ceremony, but with my work as an organizer. And like if you have organizer friends, you know that things isn't always like, oh, I know what I'm going to do next week or I have this spot allotted because I'm going to work on this, right? It's like very... Like, everything is always in the air. Like, I don't know how tomorrow's going to look like. I don't know if I have to show up to an action somewhere. And so sometimes I can I can find myself being, like, a little bit more laid back um, about things. And then I know, like, with working with Mu, I appreciate her because, you know, like, setting deadlines is important. And also, like, hold, if we're asking other folks to hold themselves accountable, then we should be holding ourselves accountable, too, with what we're putting out into the world. Um, so that's what I really appreciate that we check in with each other regularly but I know when we first started and we were having like in person you know info meetings with other folks and creatives in the area and we were really trying to get to like nitty gritty like the one through 20 steps on how you started and how you did it and every single time we would meet with somebody they just kept telling us like just do it just like put yourself out there they were like we had we met with so many people that just told us like I just left my nine to five one day I just decided to leave it and like grow this business or nonprofit. and I think that we were spending maybe like so much time like trying to understand the process or how this works they were like you know we're never gonna come to a place where we just feel like a hundred percent confident hundred percent fully resourced like you mentioned um and that we just need to go do it but um I think even that comes with their privilege too, you know. Yeah, I was like just that gonna I... say, what do you think it is? Because one thing that you just pointed out is risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like risk exists for any endeavor, mm-hmm. but in particularly for people like us, we're like, no, we take this risk seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. like we, Sorry. you know, it's not like we're blindly yeah. just, oh, I'm just gonna take and the risk. A it takes a lot behind it, right? Yeah. Too. And because I think with whatever that we put out, some like a value, I would say that's really huge for us is being intentional about what we're putting out and not just because, just because, right? They're going to put something and be like, oh, we're just going to cover this issue that recently happened around, um, let's say, like the Boston area. Let's say if it's on housing, it's not just to say that we did that, but like how are we really like peeling away the layers and Mm -hmm. trying to understand like our voice within that too? Yeah. I would say the tips, um, like the tips I have in terms of working with a close friend or a partner is having a lot of respect for the other person. Like, of course, I love Ileana as a friend, as a partner, but I also really respect her judgment, her values, and 
her own her thinking and her opinion. So if you I just don't see how, you know, like in any relationship, how it can be successful if you don't have mutual respect for the other person. And I think like I don't know how you're gonna take this, but <laughs> we take our work very seriously, but I don't think either one of us takes ourselves that seriously mm-hmm. to the point where it's going to affect or hurt the other person. You know what I mean? And if like we are able to take a step back and look at what we're doing as a whole and just like reflect on that together. But in terms of like pulling in resources and actually getting your idea off the ground, it is hard because Liana and I recognize that because we are able to operate We Ceremony, we are able to do it from a place of privilege. Um, And, you know, it's like having, if we didn't have a full-time job, I really Mm -hmm. don't know how sustainable this would be because Mm -hmm. we are funding in like, we're funding We Ceremony with a lot of our own money. Um, But I like, and I don't want to say just do it because it's not that simple. Mm, Like I think before you can even actualize something, you really have to do, you really have to check in with yourself and get real and look at your, like your goals, your objectives and like what you're willing to sacrifice. I think for us, like we sacrifice our time, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean like the time isn't being well spent. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's hard. But so you, but you did it, right? So you both did it. You jumped into the idea, you jumped into the idea together and you were able to get recognition from Boston's W Boston's YWCA um, to a New York Times article. So what would you say? It was a very small mention though. (laughs) (laughs) Own it. Own that small mention. Own it. Um, So what would you say it takes to get to that level of recognition, even if it's just a small recognition from a publisher like that, um, or even to form partnerships with the types of organizations that that you form partnerships with, including the city of Boston? I think, look, though... It's not about the goal shouldn't be to seek recognition or to be recognized for your work. I, again, like we really started this to build intentional space for ourselves and for folks in our community. It was never like, let's see how many followers we can get and where we can be featured. I mean, like, I'm not going to lie. Like when we get featured, when we have those opportunities, Mm -hmm. it is very exciting because not only does it elevate our platforms, but it elevates a lot of the work of the people that we have been lucky to work with. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, you know, you just really, this sounds so cheesy, but I think you have to let your work be recognized on its own. And we do that by building relationships with people in our community. When we started We Ceremony, we were very active in going to community events, supporting our friends, supporting our family members, and just making ourselves known to other people and introducing ourselves and making that genuine connection. I would say the same thing too. I think that um, a lot of this work involves authenticity, right? Um, Because we are putting ourselves out there. We also share a lot of our stories too on our platform. And although I know in the beginning we were a little bit like, we just more want to create a space for other people to tell our story. It's interesting because like through surveys and through like check-ins with folks like online, actually want to hear from us too like you know (laughs) what do you think about this or like a certain question that we put out there but I think being authentic and transparent is really important (laughs) when you do this um and I mean like Moo mentioned the recognition is nice 
But for me, that's not like a validating factor. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we've made it because we were featured or because we got this award or because even in our respective, um, you know, works or like by training that we've been recognized. Because I just feel like there's so many people in our community that do this work. Yeah. But then it's also thinking like who's being recognized and mm-hmm. who's not, mm-hmm. who's not at the table, right? Who's not being centered when we um, do recognize people. And I think it's also being transparent with what we can do, what we can offer, mm-hmm. and, like, again, what advocating for ourselves, like, what we can do or what we will not do. Yeah. Um, so we asked this of all of our guests, and it is, what does activism mean to you? Since I was young and knowing that I wanted to do something social justice related, I don't think I ever used that term, activist. Um, and it's interesting because we had an interview recently with two women of color from the Women of Color Solidarity Network. Check them out. They're really great. Um, and we asked them, too, of like about their activism, mm-hmm. although we also don't use that word, either, yeah, which is really interesting. Yeah. But like something that one of the co-founders said that really resonates with me is like sometimes the word activism can sound very like white or it could also be like, you know, privileged, too, with. Mm-hmm. with that you know with your time with the label um but I would say as a woman of color everything that I do is political right um so there's no way that you can't like speak out on certain issues um so whether like some people want to say it's like activism or that you're like an organizer it still falls under the same realm yeah but for me it just um means like finding that space that you feel like a lot of passion for that issue area and you'll see that it's not really like, oh, I have to go to this action. It's from five to six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you don't see it as work, right? Because mm-hmm. activism, how are you furthering your community? How are you furthering yourself um, to get the basic resources? And it's like ridiculous, the stories that you hear like day to day. And for an example, like stop and shop workers are, are, are on strike, right? Um, and I live in Malden and I know a lot of news that have come out in the city of Malden is that like, well, now where will we get grocery bags? It's like, there's a lot of places that you can get grocery bags, but what is the underlying reason for this, right? If folks aren't getting paid, if they're not getting like um, a promotion, if they're being retaliated against, um, you know, what are the real purposes around these things? So for me, I mean, I don't know. To be honest, I don't know what it means to me because I don't consider myself an activist although I do organize I think it's like more of how are we resisting and how are we continue to furthering my community so they don't die off next year right at work or at the border yeah this is a really hard question because I don't think like we've never identified ourselves using the term activist um and that also from that interview and that piece also really resonated with me as well because when we think about labels and who gets to have them and who gets ownership of them that becomes really tricky and also you know it's like filled with so much so many different layers and like external factors contribute to like who has access to these titles um but you know I think and for me like in the most basic sense an activist just means somebody who is moving with purpose intention um, and how you choose to carry out that intention, that purpose, looks very different for um, everyone. You know, I think there are people who are very quiet leaders who are building community and um, uplifting others. And there are others who are much more vocal. 
I don't know which one I am, but I think what We Ceremony has taught me is that we can all have a purpose and we can do something with our passion to create, I think, something that's much more positive that's beyond ourselves. I love it. What would you say to people who want to get involved with storytelling as a representation as representation or to those who are interested in getting started in a digital platform for whatever their cause is? But with storytelling, I would say it's so powerful because we all carry different amount of stories, right? And with sitting with next to a person on the train, like you don't know what that person has experienced or will experience, right? So there's so much power in speaking your truth and being the own narrator of your story too and not having somebody else tell it for you. Um, but in terms of like recommendations or tips, I would say that um, if you're wanting to hear other stories from other people, like be prepared to tell your own as well yeah. <laughs> and not not saying like oh not like so it becomes an impression of olympics right like oh you went through that mm-hmm. i've been through worse right mm-hmm. but just like also like i would also say practicing resonance is really important too because i think within our culture and living in a capitalist society right a lot of times we just want to fix things immediately but if you're asking somebody to tell their story it can't be like oh my gosh um like, well, what are we going to do about that, right? So, like, how are we making sure that we're with that person when mm-hmm. we're listening, we're paying attention, um, and also feeling, like, privileged to that? Everything she said. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think also with that, though, is being unapologetic about your experiences and the stories that you carry with you, but also knowing how to protect your own story as well. I think we've been invited into a lot of different spaces that want to hear their stories because they feel like by inviting us and by inviting the women, the people that we're associated with, they themselves feel like they're more progressive or they're doing the work. Mm -hmm. But sometimes like saying no is like the best form of advocacy. Mm -hmm. Just saying, no, I don't want to do it because self-preservation is very important and you have to take care of yourselves and with your story, like your stories, our own stories are so powerful And I don't think it should fall on ears that don't really care to do anything with that information afterwards, Mm -hmm. um, other than their own, like, betterment. So recognizing that you have a lot of power and also you have the power to say no and to protect yourself is very important. Mm -hmm. And I I think just, like, with a digital platform, uh, (laughs) we started off, like, very nitty-gritty. We were just using our phones um, and we just tapped into like all of the free resources like going on social media and like I understand there's a whole discourse that like it's technically not free because you're giving up your privacy Mm -hmm. and whatever but um you know like Instagram made sense for us to start we ceremony because I don't think we mentioned this in the beginning but one of the many many like conversations that we've had in the beginning was that we were so sick of seeing negative images of women of color and we thought if we had a pictorial element to it we can combat that and we can create more positive imagery that's authentic to our community mm-hmm. um so i think it's just finding like what your message is and like what are the best channels to um carry that message forward great what um do you see next for yourself or not just for we ceremony but for yourselves personally as well i hope that we ceremony will always be a safe space to anyone who wants to come to that and who Mm -hmm. feels like they could contribute to it 
by just bringing themselves and bringing in their own authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, I am working in an environment that is very white. Um, and it's today I was just in a meeting where I could count how many people of color were in the room and it wasn't a lot. It was me and one other person. And so that feeling was really hard and I walked away feeling really, really disgusted. Like how can I be in a place like this that really isn't valuing people of color or seeing our potentials? And like, I hate that. Like that's the lens that a lot of employees, employers have, which is seeing people as like, a form of currency of labor, mm-hmm. but you know, it sucks not having my own community in a place that I work every single day, but it's nice to retreat to we ceremony and know that my experiences will be respected and honored by people who are willing to listen to it. And I'm glad that I have such a great friend to be able to like receive that information because it is a lot. Yeah. Um, but that's where I hope we ceremony will go and continue to be, which is just a safe space and just a comforting space. I think for myself personally, I want to continue to do organizing in some capacity. Um, I think just being able to like witness so many wins that we've been able to accomplish within our campaigns Mm -hmm. has been like so, so amazing. And it's so weird because when you have a win, you forget that you've had a previous one before. And so I organize in Everett and depending the research or like what article you read, it's the second most diverse city in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. But I always like to say that we don't have any representation at city hall, right? City councilor, school committee, even down to like teachers. Um, so I think just like the power again of like collective organizing and grassroots power is something that would be hard for me to get away from just because, um, and doing leadership development, right. Within my own community, working with young people. So I want to continue to do organizing. Um, and at the same time, um, I would love to be involved in some kind of, um, campaign where I'm directing someone's campaign and helping them get to office but like focusing on local elections Mm -hmm. um and not because I think our power is at city hall or it's at the state house not at all but just having like actual progressive like progressive immigrant women of color right making decisions and really having the interest of the community and their Mm -hmm. agenda um and not just like I don't know not just wanting to take up space. Um, so through like public education, like campaigns and like trying to work with um, the, our local police so there isn't any like ICE and local police collusion, I think, I don't know, has just like made our community that much stronger being able to tell our stories because we have, you know, we have to tell our stories and educate like folks that have no idea <laughs> about some of the things that folks in my community have to go through. Um, so that's what I would say personally, continue to do the work right on the ground. That's so important. Um, and with we ceremony, like Moo mentioned, is not only to, you know, in like a couple of years, have it grow, but again, have it grow with like intention mm-hmm. and not just because like, oh, we've doubled up in our followers. Like, what does that mean if we do double up with our followers, but folks cannot connect to like our mission or what we want to do? So I would like to see it grow and having more events because I think as both being young people, well, we're all young people (laughs) too, Um, sometimes we want to just like do that work behind our computer screen or behind 
behind our phones, but you really have to go out there and talk to people too. So I'm hoping that we do a lot more events because we mm-hmm. usually try to do one like once every three months, once every four months. But um, a lot of women of color have also, you know, told us too that, you know, they're coming from college here from another state and they haven't found like that group mm-hmm. or circle of people or, um, you know, they feel as though, like the Northeast is not just cold, like climate-wise, but like cold <laughs> in terms of interactions with other people. So mm-hmm. how are we making sure that we're also um, not leading a conversation where we might not be the expertise of, but we're okay with also just like hosting a space, right? Like, let's just like talk with one another. Let's like break bed, bread with one another um, and get to know one another. So we recently had an event at Dudley Cafe. Um, and that was so great because there wasn't a whole lot of planning from our <laughs> number one. It was really great. But also um, that a lot of people just wanted to come together. And it was like somewhere that was really close um, you know, to their homes, um, close to like, their individual jobs. Um, so Great. So how can people find you on social media if they wanted to connect with you? Yeah. Um, so you people can follow us on Facebook at um, We Ceremonies and also Twitter and Instagram is the same handle at We Ceremony. Um, and we actually recommend people sign up for our newsletter and you can do that by just going on www.weceremony.com. Because that's where we share a lot of upcoming events and opportunities and different stories that um, that we're being mm-hmm. that we're able to collect from our community. Great, awesome. Wow. <laughs> I always say wow, but I um, I am always left astonished by our guest. Um, a couple of things stood out with me for this one, so let's talk about them. Um, the first one I think is, you know, the, the reason why I asked the question of like, what would you say to somebody that you are trying to start something with or, or have an organization with? Because this is something that Javier also talked about, like his team and this team building and the reality that like we can't do this alone. And so I really loved hearing about their experience as two people who knew each other from like way back, uh, reconnected, were having the same, you know, a very similar experience and feelings about that experience and decided to do something about it together. Uh, I love hearing their story. And it really honestly did make me reflect on our time working together, Lena, Um, as, you know, just two women trying to get things done. And doing it on a digital platform at that, it just, it really kind of felt in a way like it mirrored our experience, but is ours is so different because we didn't know each other before the podcast. It's so true. And I think the other thing is like our journey was getting to know each other as we were working together, as opposed to two people who had known each other for a while, knew each other's values, knew each other's interests. And I think that it goes to say or it stands as evidence that like there is no perfect recipe for team for having a team and for having the team be efficient um, because this has worked for us and that has worked for them but I think the other thing that really stood out to me is like the respect and the kindness that comes out of being part of a team 
Like there is not one person calling the shots. There's not, and I personally know that this podcast would not have happened if we didn't have the team that we do from Erin's flexibility and abilities, you know, like her editing skills, um, from like Brandon's direction and sharing his vision and then your support. Like every time, you know, understanding like, not just like, oh, are you free to do this now? But are you mentally available? Are you emotionally available? And even through our debriefs, you know, I think so many things have brought up that you and I do these debriefs and then we debrief after the debrief. <laughs> and it's like that also, it's like, are you emotionally and mentally available to di- to digest all of this with me? Because um, some of these episodes have been really hard. And so it's really nice to have a team and I encourage all of our listeners to create that for themselves. Like nobody wants to be a worker, you know, nobody wants to feel like they don't have solidarity amongst their own team. Um, so that was like my takeaway. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, totally. Oh yeah. The, I agree with everything you're saying so wholeheartedly. And I just want to, you know, also shout you out as a team member because you are like the main voice of this podcast and we are all so behind you 100% with everything that you talk about and and everything you share with us. Like we're so so grateful as a team and I can I know I can speak for all of us when we say that. And um I think that you're so right about having that level of respect and kind of our emotional and mental checking in that you're talking about and even going back to the I remember the very first time we met in person at a cafe Nero in downtown crossing Lena showed up to the wrong one first which (laughs) actually is very telling at the time (laughs) but then we got we got it together met met up and I remember just not knowing what to expect at all and then the way that you approached meeting me was like more than I could have asked for in a million years. It was like you had this sense of like wanting to get things done in of like, and I'm more of like a let's wait it out, see how everything goes. So it was like you really wanted to get things done and you had this sense of leadership, but you also were offering this space of openness and creativity of like, what do you want to do? How do you want to bring yourself to this? Um, podcast which I wasn't prepared for like being so involved I thought I was going to be more just like a scheduler or something like that so you're right we have had to get to know each other really well which has been really easy and then we kind of had to navigate the space of like becoming friends and also working together and that's where I think I saw the parallel with Ileana and Moo it's like when you are friends with someone but you do have this kind of like working relationship at the same time it is a very interesting balance to strike it's so true i think the the friendship aspect it's like i i was telling somebody recently after this after this recording that relationships are like a business and if you found a relation you know cuz you're constantly working at them just like you're working in your business like professional development should be the same in your relationships, whether it be romantic or your friendships. Um, and I, and I feel like we have that here and I feel like we've done such a good job at like finding out which, what are our strengths and what are the things that we need to work on or what are the things that we lack? (laughs) Like Lena, here's the actual directions to the one where I'm going to meet you. Um, but it has been really great to see this evolve. And, And again, I just hope that our listeners take this and say, if there's somebody you want to go into a project with, but you're hesitant 
because of your friendship or your, the length of it. I just feel like just do it and, and you will learn from it. Um, there's nothing that can come out of it but growth for you and the other person, um, even if it doesn't work out. You know, and that's not to say that like everybody will go into a project and do great. I mean, I've seen many people go into a project and then kind of separate um, from that whether it be because of the project or just go different ways. But I think that all in all, it's always a learning opportunity. Um, and yeah, and huge for personal growth. So what else stood out to you this episode? Another thing that stood out to me with we ceremony in general, that I think that we took from their interview and wanted to apply it directly in our work is simply how, intentional they are being about every decision they make. I think you could really hear it in the question when you asked about what activism meant to them. And we asked like everyone that question. So we've heard a lot of different things and the way that they framed it, it was so thoughtful. You know, like they they were like we don't really use that term because of X, Y, and Z reasons and getting into like the privilege of who gets to use certain labels and all of this, like they think about everything to that level. And you can tell in the, in the quality of the work and the storytelling that they produce. It's important to be intentional in this type of work, especially when you're talking about people's stories. I remember um, during my undergrad years, one of the biggest lessons that I learned was because I am such a storyteller. And I remember one time I was telling the story to my supervisor and he was like, or no, I was telling him I found out about something. And I was like, why haven't you told me? And he was like, because other people's stories are not mine to tell. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're so right. Like, <laughs> I shouldn't, you know, and, and although it was like a positive story and, and something that needed to be shared, I was like, I wonder how instead of me sharing this, I can own and respect the person to be the one that shares their own story and be, and be more intentional with my what I'm trying to do, right? Am I just trying to share a story to share or am I trying to shed light on this person's like great accomplishment? Um, which brings me to our next point, which is that's exactly what we're trying to do here, right? Like I think the activist hustle has tried to do storytelling in a way that is by the person, for the community, um, and with ours, honestly, like we just act as a person as the medium that highlights it or that gives them the access to project their stories um, into a, a bigger network. But at the end of the day, it's their stories and we're just highlighting them um, just through audio as opposed through visuals in the way that we ceremony does it. What do you think, like, did anything stick out with you about like having storytelling and story sharing be done through digital media? Yeah, I think it's especially fitting for, the, for the fact that we focus on millennial and Gen Z as our audience and our interviewees, um, that digital platforms have become, I don't want to say pervasive because that sounds bad, but like they're just, it's everywhere. It's what every, how everyone's trying to start something, build something, grow something. There's always like a digital component. And We Ceremony as well as the Activist Hustle is almost entirely on the digital platform in some way, even though they're different mediums. And I think something that actually stood out is the fact that they said it's you, you want to just kind of be behind your computer a lot of the time and like get the workout and do what you're trying to do on your digital platform since that is the main form. But it is so important to actually go out and 
and get into the community and sit with people in person. And that is something that I hugely have learned through this experience that I think, Lena, you've taught me quite a bit too. Like you have to go to other people's events and show support. It's so, so important. And then we had our um, season one party and it's such a great way for people to connect in person. Like people that had listened to the guests on the podcast could come and meet them in person. And then like we always come back to building that network. So I think that having a digital platform, it's great. It's awesome. I think we know a lot about using social media at this point. But my takeaway was that even being a digital platform, you got to get out there and and show up in person. You do. And you know what's crazy? I mean, it's there's some studies out there that show that millennial or Gen Zers have so much more like public speaking and like social anxiety than anybody than any other generation. And I think it is because they have grown up with this like distance from the actual person that they're interacting with, whether it be because of the anonymity that they get on social media or because they, you know, they can just FaceTime and text. And, you know, this generation like hates phone calls. (laughs) This generation like hates having to like go meet someone. Um, But there is truly nothing like real human interaction. Like there is nothing. And I think, I don't know if the listeners have noticed this, but that we've shifted in season two to be remote. And, you know, not being in the room with whether it be you or the guest was really hard for me at the start of the season. I was like, I don't think I can do this. Like, I am not, I am not having fun. <laughs> and, and, and like, I didn't expect for it to be that hard to transition into something that after going through it became like a realistic challenge of like, if we are going to expand, like if the activist hustle is going to expand to be for activists throughout all of the US, like more than like more times than not, we are going to do virtual interviews because we can't be, you know, flying everywhere all the time. So that was like a realization that I was like, I don't think I'm ready for that. And it doesn't have the same flow. And I didn't think it would affect me that way. Um, So that is really interesting. So just to your sentiment, like I also encourage your listeners to go out there to go to these events and like, I know likes and reposts are support and that's great, but there is nothing like physically going to someone's event um, as a person who like, just showing up for yeah, that. Just show know? up like as a person who like takes it so personal when people leave my event early or don't show up. And I'm like, why? Uh, like I know, you know, the feeling of uniting people, bringing people together that share the same values and the same causes. Um, and there's just nothing like that, like that atmosphere. Yeah, I agree. I think those are like our main takeaways. It was a great interview. I loved talking with Ileana and Mu. I think they're hugely inspirational. And yeah, that's all for me. Yes. Bye, Rachel. <laughs> Bye, Lena. <laughs> <laughs> And we're going to take a moment to thank everybody who made this podcast possible, starting with you, the listener. Without you, there would be no us. I'd also like to thank the Activist Hustle team, starting with Rachel Sullivan, your producer and director, Aaron Taylor, our producer and editor, Brandon Rush, our creator, Amina Chandani for your creative logos and constant creative input, The Yard for lending us your space to record, And a final shout out to Blueprint Leadership. If this episode has at all inspired you to take action, remember, we have support for you. 
Blueprint is a leadership program made by young activists for young activists. Check out blueprintldc.com services and see how we can support you on your activist hustle.